Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christian. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. Uh, it's been a week since our last show. We had I had some uh, I had some travels over the weekend yeah. that I was uh, I was busy with. I didn't go to a Red Sox game. That was not awesome. Yeah. 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 That was a that was a great time. <laughs> I had no idea. I admittedly. It's on me. I had no idea the U.S. Open was going on, uh, and that parking at Fenway would be a nightmare to the degree of finding an hour, taking an hour to find any parking spot, which happened to be 25 minutes away from the ballpark, and eventually giving up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it it just so happened that Daniel and I were we we'll, we were already planning on going to the same game without knowing the other was going to the to the Red Sox is Thursday afternoon game. And then, you know, we decide, you know, get the same, get the same tickets, sit together with, uh, with my mother as well. And, uh, you know, well, I didn't, I didn't even know about the golf thing. My, my mom did, but we barely got parking. And then like, and then, yeah, it, 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 after we got parking, it was hard to imagine other people getting parking yeah and uh yeah yeah that was really bad that, that was that was really tough i felt very bad yeah uh however something did come out of my weekend of travel um we got an interview with a major league baseball player yes uh yeah daniel went to worcester massachusetts at a uh, polar park the home of the worcester red sox AAA affiliate of the boston red sox and there was the toledo mud hens which are the AAA affiliate of the Detroit Tigers and doing a rehab assignment uh, known most for having the seventh highest F war among third basemen from the start of 2022 through the end of 2021, right between Nolan Arenado and Matt Chapman was uh, yeah. Uh, Jamer, Jamer Condelario, who uh, was doing a rehab assignment for the Toledo mud hens and uh or at least was on the Toledo Mudheads, yes. and uh, yeah, Daniel Daniel uh, got a couple minutes with him, about a minute twenty seven to be exact, yeah. as you said. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pop over that interview right now. So, first of all, uh, just health wise, how you doing right now? Um, you know, recovered. You know, recovering and playing. Get my rhythm the right way and um, make sure that my shoulders are um, the right way. Sure. So you're here for a rehab assignment right now. Uh, on the field, has the approach changed at all? Are you kind of just working your way to get to a point where you're healthy enough to be up back up in, in Detroit? For sure. You want you want to. That's that's the reason I'm here. I'm I'm working hard to you know prepare myself to be the the help that I can to help the team win. 
Absolutely. Uh, once you get back, back to Detroit, are you? Uh, is there anything in particular you're looking to improve on? Uh, we always got to improve and, yeah. and, and everything, you know? So, um, I just want to improve that, uh, you know, help, helping my team win. Mm-hmm. You know, be, be there from, for, for contribute with the team and uh, just produce, bro. You got to produce. Yeah, and obviously when you get back up there, things are going to be a little different, of course. Riley Green uh, getting called up yesterday, the organizational top prospect, and you got a brief chance to play with him down here. Uh, so what, do you, what are you looking forward to seeing out of him? Uh, you know, doing his thing, you know, keep doing what he, he, he continues to do, hit the ball, catch the ball, run the bases. It's the same thing. Awesome, and uh, how excited are you to play with him? I'm excited. I'm excited for him, for his family, and for the team. You know, it's a, it's a good key for, for the team in the future, and I uh, can't wait to, to, you know, head doing good. So that was my very brief interaction with Jamer Candelario. Uh, he had just finished warm-ups at third base, uh, and I greeted him at the, at the third base dugout about an hour and a half before the game. And uh, we had that quick little interaction. You know, he was, I wanted to try to keep it brief because, you know, I mean, I'm sure he didn't, wasn't too thrilled with being down in AAA. And, yeah, you know, I think he's kind of just focused on himself. So I tried to, I tried to make it as brief as possible. And I think I, I did my job there. Um, but I mean, you know, I asked, you know, he agreed to do it. And I, I asked him if he had a minute or two. And uh, that was what, that was what came after. So much appreciation to Jamer Candelario for, uh, we're making a quick stop on ARR. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, yeah, shout out to Jamar Condelario. Yeah, and also um, shout out to, uh, and also shout out to Nico Fasella. If you're listening, you, you know why. Yeah. <laughs> but you're you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um. Also, my 2022 Tigers player to watch. So yes, we'll, we'll cross over with that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, great stuff there. Um. And uh, our first topic of the day is going to be concerning another AL Central team, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, who um, I believe both of us had, before the season started, we both had them in fourth. But also, to be fair to us, we weren't like... I also said that was the hardest division to pick, one through five. It was, like, it was... I stand by that. ...stingent on them being, like, a bad team, just happened to have a couple teams ahead of them. But... And but still, I, I think we would both agree overperforming right now. Uh, they did they just win a series against the Dodgers? Yes, they did. They just won a series against the Dodgers at Chavez Ravine as well. At Chavez Ravine, um, and as well as that, they uh, they have won 15 of their last 19, um, which is pretty incredible. They now stand uh, six games above 500 and i think if the season ended today they would have a playoff spot they would they are actually one game behind the twins for the uh for the al central lead yeah uh, i mean if the guardians (laughs) are doing well that makes the al central like very very interesting it's already been interesting with the white Sox underperforming Mm -hmm. but yeah that's a that's a pretty firm player but also intriguing is that the guardians and twins play each other this week um it's gonna be at minnesota yeah yeah is it uh this weekend no it's starting tonight oh well yeah i, I guess i'll play uh, the guardians later. also have the one two the fourth highest run differential in the american league only behind the yankees red sox and astros yeah that's uh very impressive that's pretty wild yeah that's pretty crazy um 
So what do you what are you thinking about this uh, this run by the Cle- uh, Cleveland Guardians? So you know every time there's a team that's going on some sort of run, whether it's good or bad, you know we we take a look at when the streak really started and who's been performing since. And of course, Jose Ramirez uh, has been the primary uh, the primary catalyst, participator, catalyst, whatever you want to call it. Since yeah, then. Uh, since May twenty eighth, which is our starting date here. He has a 206 weighted runs created plus. He almost has a 700 slugging percentage. Uh, also has a has a BSR above one base running stat. Uh, also, you know, solidish defense. He is making this one of the best American League MVP races we've seen in a while. Between him, Judge, Devers, and Trout, like it's anyone's game between those four. Yeah, absolutely. Which is exciting. It's it, it's pretty wild and like yeah like. Jose Ramirez, I've um, like, I think we've, or I think the general public has um, underrated him a little bit. I think he's getting some more attention now, which is really good to see. And um, it's very well deserved because, like, you know, you mentioned 206 weighted runs created plus during the stretch, but, um, but you also mentioned the base running and like he has, you know, pretty quality defense as well, or at least he has in his career up to this point. Um, and he's just been, a, he's been a very good all around player as well as like a great power hitter, which is a pretty incredible combination. And yeah, to see him in the midst of an MVP race with some guys, some guys from some big market teams like Aaron judge and Rafael Devers, uh, that's something, something you got to love to see. Um, in fact, I think he's, I think, well, as of yesterday, he had more F four than, Aaron Judge, but um, I, that I might be the same. Behind Devers, though. Yeah, I think De- I think Devers is leading the AL and in, in yes. F four, which is pretty wild. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Jose Ramirez. Obviously, if you know when the Guardians are doing good, you can kind of bank on Jose Ramirez uh, being the forefront of that. We kind of saw that at the beginning of the season along with uh, Stephen Kwan, yes. but, but yeah, going, uh, going with some more individual statistics. Um, I'm looking at, uh, or actually I should probably go back to May 28th. Cause I was looking at since yeah. May. I'll tell you what 30th. I'm looking at while you're going back, but I'm looking at those two guys that Cleveland got in the Francisco Lindor trade. I'm looking at Andres Jimenez and I'm looking at Ahmed Rosario. Cause they've both been excellent in this time. Ahmed, we, we saw him in left at the beginning of the season and it was it was a struggle understandably you know he was brought up as a shortstop they have a lot of middle infielders especially on that left side so you know it was kind of hard to find a place for him uh but his defense over this time has been better uh they've moved him back to shortstop in this time which you know it makes sense because i mean the left field he, he didn't play left field a ton but when he did it was noticeable for for bad reasons i guess yeah um yeah, for sure. And yeah, the, the, the guardians have really come into their own defensively and I'm, this kind of transitions into like the, the success that the um, guardians are finding are in like kind of weird ways. Like they're, well, not weird ways, but unconventional ways. Usually if, if you're thinking about a team succeeding, it's like, Oh, they probably have a, you know, pretty, pretty high OPS and they probably have, uh, you know, a very good, very good run prevention. And as a, you know, 
that's because they have like a good, you know, fielding and independent pitching, but I believe they are 15th in weighted runs created plus since May uh, 30th, or I think May 30th and May 28th, they're 15th in weighted runs created plus, which, you know, so then you assume like, oh, they've had some great pitching, but they're also like middle of the pack and FIP. And where they've stood out is their base running and their defense. Um, I'm looking at since May 30th, they have the most defensive runs above average, and it's not even close. Uh, as a team, they have 6.9 defensive runs above average. The next best has 2.8. Uh, yeah. That's the San Diego Padres. So that's pretty incredible. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, was it Andres Jimenez or, or Ahmed Rosario who made the positional switch? Ahmed Rosario switched back to shortstop and his defense has been better, but Andres Jimenez offensively has been one of the breakout stars, not just on this team, but really in the league. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, especially lately. And then uh, another team stat since May 30th, Cleveland is third in BSR, which is a, a base running stat. So like, you know, they haven't been to go back to the team stuff. Like they haven't been, just hammering the baseball they haven't been you know striking the world out from a pitching perspective but they've been playing great defensive and they've been doing great on the bases and it just it's just seemed to have worked but yeah going back to Andres from Jimenez he's been pretty incredible um since May uh 28th Jimenez has a 165 weighted runs created plus and he also has 1.8 defensive runs above average, which is very impressive in a small span like this. Um, yeah, he's been he's been pretty wild. Yeah, he has a 165 weighted runs created plus from May 28th to now, uh, almost a full win above replacement, a 525 slugging percentage, and also some solid defense. Uh, where has he been playing defensively? Is he at second for this team? If, if Rosario is at short, I would imagine he'd be playing second base. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, I would have to assume that, you know, Ramirez is obviously at third. Yeah. Looks like Jimenez. Yeah, he's been at second. That's just, that's yeah. a great, that's a really good infield as a whole because Josh Naylor, actually he's an outfielder, but, like, I mean, it's those three, you know, Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Jose Ramirez. You also have uh, some other guys. You know, like playing first over there for them. Yeah, it has been Josh Naylor. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been – he has a 137 OPS plus on the season. He also had that amazing game against the White Sox back in, like, April or May. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland's always interesting. Like, you know, they're never – like, I'm not saying that they're a uh, – that they're a powerhouse or, like, they're anywhere – near where they were at in like 2016, 2017, 2018. But like, they always keep it interesting throughout the season. They're always just kind of there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it used to be, it used to be a dominant starting pitching staff. That's not really the case anymore. They don't have like the, they don't have the, you know, strikeout machines that they used to have with, you know, Corey Kluber, uh, Mike Clevenger, even, you know, Trevor Bauer. Uh, but but uh, it's been defense based running and, you know, just being competent in with pitching and, uh, and, you know, a bit of fortune from, as well, offense from the batter's box perspective. 
yeah, no, it's been pretty much a lot of little things that have gone right. And then the offense and and pitching have kind of just found themselves uh, in the right spots a lot of the time. And, you know, when you have guys like that, that are stepping up Ramirez, Jimenez or Rosario Naylor, you're going to, you're going to find a lot of success when those little things are going right. And especially in a weaker division, like the AL central, you can really climb to the top. And I looked at their schedule. They have played some, you know, their competition has been the, hasn't been the greatest. Like I think, They've won six series in a row, and it's been against, like, the Royals, uh, the Rangers, the A's, the Rockies. They did beat the Dodgers, but the Dodgers even have been struggling in the month of June. Um, yeah. So it's, true. you know, I think the biggest – I think you could honestly – if you really wanted to, you can make a case that right now the Twins might be the big, bigger measuring stick because of the way the Dodgers have been playing as of late. Yeah, true, especially, like – Like, of course, the Dodgers are the better team. Like, I don't think anyone's going to try to refute that, but, you know, but recency like, bias, they've lost, they've, they're seven and 11 uh, in their last 18 games. Yeah. Cause for, yeah, first of all, they're trending in the wrong direction right now. And second of all, you know, Bueller just hit the IL, Betts just hit the IL. Um, you know, they've, they, Turner hasn't been what he's been, it, you know, Other Turner. there have been, there have been some, uh, oh yeah, Justin Turner. Is, yeah, <laughs> have to specify. But you could probably say the same about Trey. I mean, he's been fine, but not you know Trey Turner level. Yeah, not on, not on track to lead it, the uh, the league in F four. Um, and then uh, I should yeah. I should acknowledge some of the pitching stars because I did I did kind of downplay their their pitching a little bit because they have as a team they have like a a a FIP of, of about four since um, May thirtieth. However, like. They do have their stars, you know. Shane Bieber, he has a one nine five FIP in his last five starts. Emmanuel Classe, uh, in his last, uh, well, since May thirtieth, he has twelve appearances, all scoreless, and he has a one oh four FIP, uh, ten and ten and a half strikeouts per nine, and 0.75 walks per nine. And then I guess a surprise uh, guy would be Eli Morgan. Yes. He, uh, in this span, he has 10 appearances, 13 and a third innings pitched, uh, no earned runs allowed, and a 208 FIP. He has uh, 12.15 strikeouts per nine and two walks per nine. So, uh, so yeah, there's there's been you know there there has been some star power, but like you know that's not the main reason they're they're 15 and four. They've they've just been collectively very good. Yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of just, like I said, the little things that are going right. Yep. And, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see how long they can keep this up. This is definitely one of the more curious cases of, is this team that's been playing well legit slash this team that has not been playing well not legit that we've seen in the history of ARR? Yeah. I think it's possible. You know, I think that it's like a – they have a 70% chance to make the postseason right now, according to baseball reference. Yeah, I don't think they like they factor I think they factor it differently than like they do. Fan graphs. People usually use fan graphs more. I'll have to check what fan graphs has them at right I know, now. I know I know one of them doesn't factor like just the straight up roster. I think they just factor like how much or, like where how much they've won or like I don't know. But so 2022 playoff odds. The Guardians currently have a oh wow, yeah. They have a forty one percent chance to make the playoffs on fan graphs. They still have the White Sox with a 59% chance, which makes sense. But, you know, they're 32 and 33. Um, 
They're projected 85 wins to win the division. Wow. <laughs> That's very funny. Yep. AL Central. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's lots of um, there's lots of teams where the season is made more interesting because of the extra playoff spot, and it's it's def- Guardians are definitely one of those teams. Yes, absolutely. Like, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, they're 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 playing pretty well. So, yeah, definitely watch Ooh, that. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, Fangraphs has the Astros with a higher chance to win the World Series than the Yankees. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's thirteen point nine to thirteen point eight, so it's not like it's alarm. It's an alarming amount, but that's intriguing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I had the Astros better than the Yankees before the season started, and like, so I guess I think it does factors where Fangraphs thinks they should have been versus where they are right now. Yeah. A little bit like it balances the two so so yeah um random but, random thought this is completely uh not related but like who do we think is going to be headlining the home run derby this year um because like aaron judge already said he's not doing it like it's i mean it's got to be pete alonzo just because yeah i think pete alonzo should just play against himself <laughs> yeah like he <laughs> Uh, I'm looking at the home run leaderboards. You know who would be great? Uh, Jordan Alvarez. Oh, that would be that would be sick. That would be so fun. I'm looking at the home run leaderboards of people that could possibly do it, like Byron Buxton, maybe Alonzo, maybe. I don't think Rizzo would do it at this point. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, Austin Riley, Kyle Schwarber, Christian Walker has 18. I I don't think he's gonna get an invite though. Yeah, I'm looking. It'd be at, very um, funny because they always seed based on amount of home runs. It'd be very funny if Christian Walker just comes in as like the two seed. Yeah, very true. <laughs> um, uh, CJ, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the barrel rate leaderboards. Yeah. Um. Like, has Vlad did Vlad Jr. decline last year? Um. I, I can't imagine he they had to. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he was, was healthy. Because he literally hit a 468 foot home run the next day. Yeah, he, and there's no way they just didn't invite him. I think he like led in, or no, Otani did, but I think he was like right below Otani in home runs. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like barrel rate leaderboards have Judge, Stanton, Trout, Schwarber, Gallo. Gallo's not getting invited. Uh, Jock <laughs> Peterson. Um. He's been twice already. Ronald Acuna Jr. And this is this is barrel rate, so it's like. It's not a count stat. Yes. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., Byron Buxton, Gary Sanchez, funnily enough, uh, <laughs> Shohei, Jordan Alvarez, Jazz Chisholm. That would be pretty cool. Oh, Jazz would be a dope one for sure. He he would bring a party. Patrick Wisdom. Um, <laughs> that'd be that'd be very <laughs> underwhelming. Uh, Austin Riley, Willie Adamas, Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, Christian Walker, Ryan Mountcastle, Brandon Mill Reyes, Ryan Jeffers, of course. <laughs> um, he has a 15.6% barrel rate, I guess. And then right <laughs> behind him is Christ- Christian Bethencourt, and that's where I'll stop. Of course. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, I think 
we got to have Alonso and Alvarez as the one and two seeds. Yeah. No doubt. That'd be a sick final. Yeah. A shame that. (laughs) If those two are in it, 99% of baseball fans would pick one of those two. Like the only other 1% would be like fans of the team on the eight seed. It's like, I want that guy because he's on my favorite team. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, almost uh, <laughs> in a weird way, almost a shame that Jordan Alvarez got that extension because he's not going to care about the million dollars. Yeah, um, it's true. From the home run derby. <laughs> that was one of the great things about getting Pete Alonso and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in 2019, two rookies. They hadn't Unfortunately, Pete Alonso is our eligible now, so he will not be getting more from the home run derby. Yeah, <laughs> that won't be two-thirds of his yearly salary yeah um but yeah i you know i think he likes that stuff and i don't think it really messes up his swing too much anyway so i would also love to just push the narrative that no one else would be pushing of oh my god jordan's doing the home run derby at dodger stadium they traded him remember oh this could have been their guy (laughs) yeah very true they had to get josh fields instead it's crazy that that happened uh, it would be dope if MLB invited O'Neill Cruz to be the eight seed. They should. Because I, I like people forget the one seed has not made it out of the first round since I believe 2016. Um, because Stanton lost to Sanchez in 2017, Jesus Aguilar lost to Reese Hoskins in 2018, uh, Matt Chapman lost to Vlad Jr. in 2019. Yeah, because Christian Yelich got hurt, and then Shohei lost to Juan Soto last year. So like yeah. O'Neill Cruz as an eight seed would be a fun would be a fun eight seed. Well, I mean like um, thinking back to 2019, like Vladdy was in that and he had played for two months, so it wouldn't be too different. Yeah. Um, but also O'Neill Cruz is. I mean, they're probably. I'm assuming the invites are going to go out in like a couple weeks. They're probably going out now, actually. That's true. O'Neill's yeah. probably getting his invite as we speak because I can't imagine they invited him when he was in AAA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would be very funny. From the Indianapolis Indians, O'Neal <laughs> Cruz. That's funny. He just comes in with his AAA jersey and just <laughs> hits like 37 home runs in the first round, <laughs> all with an exit velocity above 110. Yeah. It's like, we can't wait to see you in the majors. When that, whenever that happens. <laughs> just, just wait till he's on the Pirates. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he's on there now, so that's cool. Yeah, he is. Made his um his second major second league debut. Second major league debut <laughs> last night had a three run triple. That was by the way. Did you see that three run triple he hit? I did not. It was just a straight line drive. Dang. Yeah, it was a hit 112 miles an hour. He's, uh, he's so exciting. Like off the bat, it looked like it would have just been fielded by the center fielder, but it just went in the gap because it was hit so hard that. I think it was Christopher Morrell just couldn't track it down in time. Yeah. And no one could have. Right, right. But it was – and then, it was, of course, there was that throw from shortstop that I think everyone saw, 96 miles an hour. Yeah, he's already just so fun to watch. He's a it's freak. Just, it's just – it's crazy to see, like – I know I know we Ooh. talk about, like, the – um. It, it's very cliche to talk about, like, Aaron Judge's size, but, like – 
it's different seeing a six seven gangly shortstop out there just yes. tossing a ball like a hundo across the diamond yeah a non-pitcher that's throwing 96 um side note while we're on this topic we have the all-star ballot uh standings as of right now like the first update oh nice okay so i'm just gonna read this off i'm seeing this for the first time as all of you so uh, in the american league uh vlad jr is leading first place votes even though ty france is more deserving uh the this by the way vlad almost has a million votes already and ty france is at second with less just less than six hundred thousand. so that that race is already over uh vlad jr will be the starting first baseman for the al are they still doing the segmented oh the yeah they are but i mean if he's up by this much i don't see why i guess yeah. yeah so first base this the standings are vlad jr ty france anthony rizzo luisa rise and Yuli Gurriel. I guarantee the Yankees are going to have at least one person at every position. The fact that Gurriel is in that. <laughs> yeah, facts. That's horrendous. He was my slightly uh, alarming. At second base, Jose Altuve. Santiago Espinal is second. That's a underrated good move. Oh, yeah. Uh, Andres Jimenez. Andres Jimenez. Gleyber Torres. Trevor Story. That's the uh, rankings. Third base. Wow, it is close. Rafael Devers is at 727,000. Jose Ramirez is at 711. Yeah, even though I'm a Red Sox fan, I like to see Jose Ramirez getting proper attention. Yeah. Honestly, there's no, there really isn't a wrong answer between those two, That's in my very opinion. Uh, and then it's Matt Chapman, DJ LeMahieu, Alex Bregman, even though Bregman is, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, this one's tough. That's, that's got to change. Uh, who do you think is leading at AL shortstop? Um, like, for, first go over everyone who do you think deserves to start at AL shortstop. Well, um, Bogarts is up there. Um, He's third. Yeah, Bogarts is up there. I'm trying to think of – because, uh, I mean, Jeremy Pena. He's fourth. Be, he, would, he would be up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is Bichette having a good year? He's doing all right. Now he is, I believe, like around one and a half F four. Okay. Um, so there's that. There's the guy that you both of us voted for when we went over our all-star ballots. Um or no, wait, you did NL. I voted for this guy. AL shortstop, AL shortstop, yeah. AL shortstop. Um is he well known? Yes. Just go ahead. Tim Anderson. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Sense. Anyway, Bobichet's leading. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was five hundred eighty-five thousand. Tim Anderson's at five twenty-eight. Bogart's five twenty-five. Uh, one of those two. Uh, yeah, anyway, outfield. Close. Outfield is not much of a surprise. Judge is number one. Trout's number two. Springer's number three. Stanton four, and then Taylor Ward, Byron Buxton, Lourdes Gurriel, Teoscar Hernandez. Blue Jays fans really showed out for this. Michael Brantley, T- Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker should be higher. He should be higher. That's the A. Okay, and then for overall, Kyle Tucker's like oh top ten God. in F four. The only person with a million votes is Alejandro Kirk in the AL. Yeah. Uh, Jonah that. Heim is not even top five. It's Kirk, Jose Trevino, Salvador Perez, who's third, Martin Maldonado, Christian Vasquez, and then nice. in the oh, and then the DH it goes Alvarez. Tani, JD, Danny Jansen, Miguel Cabrera. 
Miguel Cabrera is still fifth. This is very funny. Also, Danny Jansen being listed as a DH did not realize that was a thing. Hmm. In the NL, first base is, is good. Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonzo, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer should not be top five, but he, there's a steep drop off between four and five, so it's whatever. Second base, Jazz Chisholm, Ozzy Albies, who won't be in the All-Star game. Jeff McNeil, Gavin Lux, and Nolan Gorman. Uh, seeing Jazz start would be very cool. Yeah, very true. Third base, Manny Machado, Nolan Arnato, Austin Riley, Justin Turner, Eduardo Escobar. I have no complaints in the NL so far. Yeah. Pretty legit. Wise. Okay, now, well, I wouldn't say I have complaints, but shortstop, Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Francisco Lindor, Tommy Edmund, Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr. still fifth. <laughs> That's very funny. Ah, now I want to vote for him. I'm yeah, the he's he has no shot. Trey Turner is 811,000. He is 165. Trey Turner is a pretty steep lead. I guess that really speaks to how weak the NL shortstop class has been. Yeah. Like, I guess that is probably not a bad pick. Ooh, yeah, outfield is interesting. Moogie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., Jock Peterson are the starters as of right now, following our Starling Marte, Adam Duvall, or no, sorry, starting the Marte, Juan Soto, Adam Duvall, who's higher than he should be. Mark Canna, Marcelo Zuna, Cody Bellinger, Harrison Bader. Um, Brian Reynolds. I mean, I guess he isn't having the greatest year, but that's a snub for top 10. Right. Like, I, I don't have enough time right now to process who the snubs are off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jeff McNeil is definitely a snub. Surprised that they got Starlin Marte and Mark Canna there, but not him. Yeah, actually, he might be listed as a different position. That's probably why. Yeah, it might be a second baseman or something. <sighs> At catcher, Wilson Contreras, Travis Darno, Yadier Molina is fourth. Here's third. Of course. Of course. Um, Tyler Stevenson, Will Smith. Cool. Uh, DH, Bryce Harper has a massive lead. William Contreras is second. <laughs> uh, Albert Pujols is third. I have a feeling Albert Pujols might just make the all-star game for the purpose of, which I, I wouldn't have a problem with. Oh yeah. They did that like, with Derek Jeter. And are there Luke more Cooper deserving Jones. individuals? Yeah. But it'd be cool to see him go to one last all-star all-star game. I mean, you know, his former home at Dodger stadium, yeah. like it's only right. Yeah. Uh, Max Muncy, JD Davis rounds out the top five. Uh, uh, any, any takeaways, any complaints? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's just like, I think the big, the most unfortunate ones are Vlad Jr. And, and Boba Shed, which still are two big names, you know, uh, it's, I guess that's not yeah. the end of the world. It looks like Toronto fans really showing out. Like they are like Alejandro Kirk getting a million Boba Shed and Vlad Jr. Leading Santiago Espinal being a second. second. Yeah. Um, um I think Ty France is better than Vlad Jr. this year. Yes. Um, you know, he'll still make it regardless, probably as a reserve. Mm-hmm. I would like to see him make it as a starter, but, you know, Vlad Jr. is still having a – obviously, when you look at the, through the lens of last year, it's not very good, but overall, he still has a 142 weighted runs created plus. Yeah. yeah. As for Bo Bichette, he's also having a decent year, excuse me. Um. He's a, eh, actually, no, he really isn't. He has a 104 weighted runs created plus 1.2 F4. 
Uh, um, yeah, there are more deserving individuals out there, mostly Tim Anderson, who isn't qualifying right now, but I would still put him over Bobachet. Well, yeah, he has more wins about replacement. Yeah. Xander Bogarts has two more wins. Yeah. yeah. And a better and a significantly better way to run created plus. Yeah, there's no reason Bobachet should be above Xander. Yeah. Even yeah, like Bogarts sure. even has been better on defense this year, probably to to get that money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um anyway, that's that's the uh all-star ballot update. Yeah. No, and... I've seen I've seen worse. It's but yeah. You know, like I don't think we're ever going to see a perfect a perfect vote from the fans. So, you know, really only two noticeable mistakes is not I think the fans are getting better, but I think you know, there's still a ways to go. I, I still think we should just end fan voting altogether, for being honest. Yeah, it should just be us two, really. Yeah, honestly. I think we should just bring back – well, I think we should bring back the final vote. I think that was cool. Yeah. Especially yeah, that, that one day when Twitter was just unmanageable. I remember when uh, – Xander was going for it like three years in a row. Yeah, and, and I remember when I was 12 and I was texting like – the term like vote a4 co- yep to for to vote for koji wahara hashtag like, high five city yeah like there would always yeah there would always be a hashtag for everyone but some of them would be like very random like koji's was high five city and the other one was like vote for this guy yeah vote for xander yeah <laughs> yeah like uh yeah i would i would text like a4 or a5 like 80 times in a night mm-hmm. i remember in 20 i think it was 15 i think kendrys morales was up for final vote and i was like well, what's even the point of course he's gonna win because the royals <laughs> fans just there will never be a more legendary stuffing the all-star ballot performance than royals fans in 2015 yes. like if you look at kaufman stadium right now and are just over the last like five years and you're like wow royals fans really don't show out you're wrong royals fans show out when the team is good like more than any other fan base Oh yeah, no doubt. Like about when it. when that team is good, it's a baseball city. For sure. This the team is never really good. It's the problem. Yeah, they're good, but when they're good, they're good. They're like all of series. baseball almost revolted because Omar Infante almost started the All Star game. <laughs> yeah, like that's how that's how bad it was. If you need a refresher. Yeah, when I feel like we're getting to a point where some people might be too young to remember that. Yeah, when when Robinson weird. Cano and Jose Altuve were also playing second substantially days. better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, like Alcida Escobar started a shortstop that year. Yeah, that's very. Which funny. was just like, what are we doing? Very funny. So what a what a time that was. What a time to be alive. Um. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you who will not be at a. At the All-Star game, it will be, you know, we will not see Anthony Rendon there. Uh, is he had a – he's getting surgery on his right wrist. It will take him out for the rest of the year. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about him because it, he's just had a very interesting career, and I think this contract could end up being very interesting because, like, um, you know – uh, Jeff Passan sent out. I, I don't know if he had the breaking news or, or, but I just saw his tweet and he said like, "There's still four, you know, af- after this year, there's still four years left on this contract." And part of me was like, "That's it." 
and well part of me part of me was like well he has kind of, he has four years to kind of redeem this contract and like kind of make it good because mm-hmm. outside of a short 2020 season it hasn't been very good um i mean he was doing sort of well this year but he was you know missing time with an injury and you know obviously he's going to end up uh no more games this season and he's ended up with like one win above replacement but but yeah uh but yeah anthony rondoni he's, he's missing the rest of the year and what are your thoughts on it um i mean that obviously is very unfortunate for the angels you know it's I just can't believe we're talking about the same thing again, like with not just Rendon, but with the angels, you know, like good start of the season. And by June, it just feels like they're out of it. And Rendon is out of it, you know, entirely. Um, you know, I, I don't, there are, there are a lot of comparisons to the Pujols contract with Rendon. I don't think it's to that point, but right. I mean, this is a bus contract right now. And there's, there's no other way of looking around it. You know, the only the only good season we've seen out of him in an Angels uni was 2020 when there was a 60 game season. Yeah, very true. Um, and and yeah, like it's uh, it, it is very interesting. Like, you know, uh, he, he 2019, he finished third in the MVP vote after um, getting MVP votes like I should take a double check. Like he got M- MVP votes pretty consistently before that as well. Yeah, he finished uh, third in the MVP vote in 2019. In 2018, he was 11th. And in 20, uh, 2017, he was sixth. And, like, there was a point where I think, you know, if you if you went from, like, 2016 to 2020, he was, like, second or third in F4, which was pretty nuts. He was just a very consistent player. And, uh, you know, after 2020, it seemed like, oh, this is – this seems like a pretty good contract for the angels, but um, I, it, his problem hasn't necessarily since then been performance, although it's gone down, but it's probably be gone down because of this injury as um, it, it was the same injury that took him out for um, took him out for over a hundred games last year. And it's the same injury that's taken him out for over a hundred games this year. It's a right wrist injury. And if you're an Angels fan, you're almost sort of relieved that this surgery is getting done because you have to imagine it will solve some sort of ag- aggravation in that right wrist if he gets that surgery on it. Yeah. Um, and you think, okay, hopefully the hopefully these next four years are going to be healthy from him if this if this wrist issue is being solved, and maybe he can get to a productive level. I don't know if he'll ever get back to being worth 35 million a year where like it's not an overpay, but he could, he could get back to a level where he's a, he's a good third baseman and, and uh, contribute to the angels team, which, you know, hopefully for them, they, they get to a competitive situation, but you know, they haven't gotten there yet, but if they, if they have Rendon back at, at a, at a, at a quality performance level uh, that could change. But yeah, yeah it absolutely could. It's it's uh it's interesting because because uh yeah, there was there were no signs of him being bad um up until this injury, really. I mean, yeah, like it was everything seemed smooth sailing up until 
like what was it like mid-may um when he first went down yeah yeah very true yeah that's just it's unfortunate but yeah i mean like you said this could be the light at the end of the tunnel and you know from 2023 on rendon's gonna hopefully have a better chance to redeem himself than he did this year yeah because we're talking about a guy who um from 20 so i'm looking at 2017 to 2020 uh, his B war per 650 plate appearances was 6.4. It, it's hard for me to imagine. Hard for me to imagine him just fall off completely, especially as someone who he's not like a he's not he's not like the Albert Pujols Miguel Cabrera type where you know he's not necessarily known for athleticism. Like he's always been a pretty good defender. He's always been a a good hitter and I think a decent base runner. And I think I think he he can uh, he can get back to that, yeah. And but yeah, it's it's interesting to see where it could go. But yeah, it is it is a it, another long list of things that have gone wrong for the Angels uh, in the last month, which uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Rendon out for the year. Um, pretty prominent. Um pretty prominent player for a while he's struggled for the last couple years to stay healthy um as i'll get one final stat on anthony rendon um just look in 2017 2017 to 2020 where did he rank in f4 i'd say probably like top 10 he was sixth yeah he was uh behind Mike Trout, um, I think that's above average kind of uh, changed it up for him because I feel like he was higher before this. Um, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Alex Bregman, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, and then Anthony Rendon, and then Aaron Judge, um, and Nolan Arenado, Christian Yelich, Altuve, Freeman, Bellinger, Real Muto, Goldschmidt, Springer. Um, so, yeah, like, Rendon was right there, and uh, – yeah, this injury, this this injury or this surgery could solve things, or maybe it could be a maybe it could be a bad thing. Um, but we'll anyway, um, some other events in the last week, we had some uh, some yes hitters, some no hitters <laughs> that that uh, you know, Miles Michaelis was one out away, Tyler Anderson was two outs away. Um, both of them threw over 120 pitches in their outings. Um, what what was your – how did you experience these uh, these almost no-hitters? And what did you so, think? So, for the Michaelis one, I was out to dinner with my friends at a restaurant, and I opened my phone to realize he was, like, two outs away. So I, I popped on the game on my phone. I saw uh, the second out. I think it was a strikeout, but I could be wrong. Um, and I'm trying to remember how did the no hitter. I mean, I remember how it happened. I'm trying to remember who did it. Do you remember yeah, who, who got the too. hit? Uh, but it was a line drive into center fields that just got over Harrison Bader's head. And yeah, Michaelis, by the way, was at like 120 something pitches. Yeah, both both these guys were very unfortunate that he he went that far for a one hitter. Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty unfortunate. <laughs> uh, the no hitter was done by it was uh, it was Cal Mitchell, who is uh, a rookie on the Pirates, who yeah hit a ground rule double on a line drive to center. A lot of people were saying Bader was playing too far in, that he should have just been back more. But yeah, um, if if he if he had a bloop single, they yeah, would have threw 129 pitches for a one hitter. Uh, had one walk, six strike. Six strikeouts. It's weird. Only one walk for 129 pitches. Must have just had a lot of long at bats. Yeah, and and there were two errors as well, so that uh, the outing as well. That makes sense. The Pirates were 0 for five with runners in scoring position, despite getting one hit and one walk. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah, uh, very odd. Um, and was it the next day that Tyler Anderson did it? I think so. Yeah, it was. Uh, the very next day, Tyler Anderson goes eight and a third. Uh, one hit, of course, being a Shohei Otani triple. Um, two yeah. walks and eight strikeouts. Very funny that his opposition was Reed Detmers, who was the only pitcher to throw a solo no-hitter this year. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, I honestly forget. Was there a combined no-hitter at some point this year? Um, I honestly yeah, forget about it. Against the Phillies, yeah. I forget about combined no-hitters, if I'm being honest, at this well, they point. Had, they had six walks, too, and it was, like, it's in the middle of April. But they were wearing their black... Uh, they were wearing their black jerseys. I do remember that. It was. I do remember what day it was, ironically, and what I was doing that day. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was at an event for one of my friends at college, and I checked my phone. I was like, oh, the Mets threw a combined no-hitter against the Phillies. And I told a friend of mine who was not interested in baseball, and she was like, hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and to go with the stat cast angle um, with Anderson's. He had 123 um, pitches, by the way. Yeah, 123 pitches. Um, well, this actually includes a hit that uh, Kimbrell allowed that had a 910 expected batting average, but the Angels had a 172 expected batting average on the day. So, like, mm-hmm. very good stuff from, from Tyler Anderson because – Anderson's on the day had to be like 150 or something like that uh, with expected yeah. batting average. That's that's pretty uh, pretty elite. Um, it would have been a it would I would have accepted that no hitter over the Michaelis one for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like eight strikeouts, two walks. <laughs> like um, I'm gonna be honest during during the Michaelis one, I was like this this doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was just, like, maybe it was the fact that the Pirates had scored a run. Maybe it was just the fact that it was the Pirates. Maybe it was the fact that he was at 130 pitches. I was like, something about this just doesn't feel right. Like, it just doesn't sit right with me, this being a no-hitter. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I I agree completely. Like, it just, uh, it just. Um, The fact that Yadier Molina still hasn't caught a no-hitter is very funny. That is very funny. Um, I know that Waka was very close a couple of times, once in 2013, once a bunch of years later, also against the Pirates. Um, yeah. I think it was Colin Moran had a single to break one up very late. Yeah. Um, he's got to be the he's got to be the best catcher in like the modern era to never catch a no hitter, right? Like Buster um, Posey caught a million of them. Yeah, Posey caught some. Um, did, uh, did Pudge did Pudge ever catch one? Um, on all those teams, probably. 
There's probably some Marlin that in 03. He caught two. He caught Kenny Rogers' perfect game. Okay, that makes sense. And he caught Justin Verlander's no-hitter in 2007. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the Pirates, by the way, had a 202 expected bag Jason average Kendall. on the day. Yep, Jason Kendall did catch one. Uh, you mentioned Ted Simmons. Uh, that was kind of a joke. He's not really a modern one. Yeah. Um, he, played he caught two. He, he caught two anyway. If you, yeah. If, if you were a catcher and you didn't catch a no hitter throughout the seventies, you're throughout you're like bad. the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Yeah. You. You can't. You can't be allowed in the Hall of Fame. Um. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the Michaelis one, yeah, that didn't. That it. It didn't feel right. Like it. It, it was just. Especially when there's one run on the board. Even yeah, if, I know it was not his fault that there were. I, I was. I had a tweet ready. Um, I was gonna be like, the Pirates gotta lead the lead, gotta lead all time in like, runs in games where they've been no hit. Oh yeah. Oh they, yeah, the Reds. Oh yeah, the Reds do a no hitter too. I forgot about that one. It was in eight <laughs> innings, so I don't know if it. That's counts. true. <laughs> but they did throw one. They did technically throw one. Um. Hunter Green started that game. Hunter Green. Yep. Um, all right. So, so yeah, the, yeah, the Anderson one, uh, he had a pretty low expected batting average on the day. And then, and then, uh, yeah, Otani hit the, hit the triple. Um, so I guess if you're to allow a hit might be to Shohei Otani. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You got to experience that. Um, that experience a Shohei triple and a near no hitter. What's the closest thing you've ever been to it to seeing a no hitter in person? Um, Domingo Herman last year. That's right. Mine was um, Clayton Kershaw had a perfect game at City through six innings. Um, Ooh, nice. And Curtis Granderson hit a leadoff single. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, for those who don't remember, uh, Domingo Herman threw <laughs> seven no hit innings to start uh, his to start a. Uh, his matchup against the Boston Red Sox. It was uh, July 2021, and uh, he allowed no hits through seven innings. and uh, And the Yankees had a four nothing lead, and then he allowed a leadoff double to Alex Verdugo. And the Red Sox just went from there and scored five runs in the bottom of the eighth. And Matt Barnes got the save back when he was a good closer, and uh, and the Red Sox won that game five to four. Yeah, and it's funnily enough. Funnily enough, the Red Sox, uh, you know, they had the same amount of wins and losses as the as the New York Yankees in the season. However, they also had one more win against the Yankees than the Yankees had against them. They were 10 and 9 against the Yankees, and that garnered them home field advantage in the wild card game. And because of that home field advantage, partially because of that home field advantage, they were able to win the wild card game against the New York Yankees, which technically makes it three consecutive playoff series wins against the Yankees <laughs> for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, but yeah, that was the last almost, that yeah. was like the, the closest to a no hitter experience. That was also one of several comeback wins the Red Sox had against the Yankees that season. You um, could have picked so many. Like there was that one where they were down to the last strike against, uh, I think it was Chad Green and, and uh, Kike Hernandez wrote a two-run double. Same, yeah, same series. Yeah, same series. Um, fair, fair enough to say, though, I did go to the game before and the Red Sox blew a 3-0 lead in the eighth inning. <laughs> um, they did get a little 
Babbitts, but you know, they yeah. They My dad was at that game. Days. What? My dad was at that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was tough. That was tough to see. Um, yeah, I remember <laughs> uh, the game that I went to. It was in like early July. It was in like mid to late July of 2015. It was Dodgers Mets. Uh, obviously, Clay. I got to see probably the best possible matchup you could have imagined in 2015. Clayton Kershaw versus Bartolo Colon. <laughs> like you get the greatest pitcher of the generation and you get one of the most entertaining pitchers at the time. Yeah. Like yeah. straight up when I like we booked, we got the tickets like two months early. I was like, if we can see Kershaw versus Colon, like that's, that's the ideal scenario. And we got it, which was awesome. Yeah. I can say that I saw Bartolo Colon that day, which was just as special as seeing. I got to see Clayton Kershaw that day. But, yeah. Um, Big time. Yeah, it was a three nothing game. Both pitchers did pretty well. Um, obviously Kershaw, Kershaw ended up going the distance. Uh, let me let me check the actual line because it was a it was the hell of a game. Yeah, uh, twenty fifteen Clayton Kershaw, one of the years he had a two one three ERA that year, a one nine nine FIP. Casually yeah. one of his best seasons that doesn't get remembered as much because the Cy Young race was amazing that year. Uh, it was July 23rd. Clayton Kershaw, so the, the Dodgers won 3-0. Clayton Kershaw, nine innings pitch, three hits, no runs, no walks, 11 strikeouts. Game score of 92. Yeah. Um... Dodgers scored on a, a Jimmy Rollins home run. And then a Alberto Callaspo walk and a Yasiel Puig sack fly. Uh, but anyway, as I was about to say, with this Dodgers-Mets game, the historical significance was it was pretty much rock bottom for the Mets. Uh, they fell to only two games over 500, which I know that doesn't sound that bad, but they were playing horrendous baseball at this time. And a week later, they got Yoannis Cespedes. And it changed, turned their whole season around. They ended up beating the Dodgers in the NLDS and eventually going to the World Series and falling to the Kansas City Royals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I got to see the twenty. Because I remember when we were doing the history series, uh, you were like, "Did you get to see any of these teams in person?" I was like, "Yeah, I saw the 2015 Mets." <laughs> yeah, at the at their, and also the Royals. I saw both teams that year in person. Yeah. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um. All right. Yeah, well, uh, do we want to get into uh, players, players to watch? Let's do it. Um, all right, so now we will get into our Tuesday, June 21, 2022. Summer Solstice. Summer Solstice, or 2022 Summer Solstice edition of... Who do you have for us today? Uh, so this is a repeat team, but this guy's been doing very well, and I just had to talk about it. I'm talking about Michael Harris II of the Atlanta Braves recently called up skipped triple a 21 years old. He graduated high school the same year as me. That's very humbling uh, because I'm out here doing this podcast and he's out here slashing 346, 368, 580 for a 949 OPS uh, in his major league career. He is also tied for the team lead in outs above average and 24th in majors uh, despite not eclipsing 200 innings in the fields. Everyone else is at around like four to 500. So that's, that's cool. Wow. Uh, since June 8th, he is slashing 432, 457, 795 for a 1272 OPS and is second among qualifiers in F4 at 1.2. That's 
that's a pretty good hot streak that he's on. And for the season, this is the most interesting thing that I found. 49.2% of his batted balls have been straight away. Hmm. They've, they've gone up the middle almost half the time. Uh, that is the highest rate among the 371 hitters with at least 50 batted balls this year. And when he goes up the middle, uh, he is a 484 batting average, which ranks third on that list of 371. And he is a 677 slugging percentage, which ranks 24th on that list. And he gets shifted against on 13.1% of his plate appearance. So, uh, you know, when he's not getting shifted, you know, he's taking advantage of that up the middle spot. And uh, that's been paying big dividends for him. Yeah. Uh, Michael Harris, the second. Um, yeah, he's, he's emerged pretty well for an already star studded Braves lineup. Um, my, how about that is, um, I believe it's a new team and it's, uh, it's our team and it might be a little bit of a bit, a a little bit of a basic pick, but, uh, I I do want to acknowledge his success of late. Um, Nick Pavetta. Yep. Uh, and he, uh, in his last nine starts, has a 177 ERA and a 287 FIP in 61 innings pitch. He ranks fourth in ERA, fourth in F4, fourth in strikeouts, and second in innings in this nine start span. And out of 109 pitchers with 100 plus batted balls, his expected Woba ranks 16th. So, you know, it's not perfectly in line with where his ERA maybe lies. However, uh, it's still very good 16th out of 109. His, his expected stats are still very good uh, in this nine start span. Also, uh, hitters are slugging 308 off his four seamer in this span, which is third lowest out of 33 pitchers to throw 300 plus four seamers in this span. Uh, so, four seamer working out very good for him. And then, overall, completely on the year, he has a 12.0% pop up rate, which is the highest rate out of 55 pitchers with 200 plus batted balls against uh, this year. And then like, I guess just with, just generally with Nick Pavetta is like, he's, he's, uh, he's kind of carrying the rotation right now. Uh, The Red Sox have Nathan Eovaldi and Garrett Whitlock on the, on the IL right now. And oddly enough, like as a Red Sox fan, you're kind of looking forward to the Nick Pavetta days, which is, you know, not something uh, I've, (laughs) Not something I've really said the past couple of years. No, no. Um, but uh, but he's he's doing very well right now. Um, you know, one seven seven ERA in his last nine starts, and uh, and yeah, getting a uh, well deserved. How about that? I don't think it's a basic pick. Like maybe it seems like that to you because you've obviously watched all of his starts, but it's a pretty legit pick. Uh, we've got. Uh, let me just name off the teams that have not gotten a how about that yet. There's, I mean, there's a lot, but it's June. So, and we haven't done as many shows as last year at this point, but uh, the Diamondbacks, Orioles, Cubs, Reds, Rockies, Royals, Angels, Dodgers, Brewers, Phillies, Pirates, and Nationals still need one. Um. So that's what, like one third of the league. Yeah. Maybe, okay. maybe like between 15 and 10 more teams. Yeah. I yeah, think we've we got... got half the league covered for sure. Yeah. It shouldn't we we took care of all the teams by like mid-august last year i think yeah i think the mets we got in mid-august yeah we um did. it was uh aaron loop was yep. your mets player yep aaron loop but you know ended up getting like 18 million in free agency <laughs> this past off season so shout out to him good for him um 
So uh, now we go from the highs to the lows. We're talking players and subjects that have been underperforming, and it is our uh, 2022 Summer Solstice edition of Slightly Alarming. Um, who do you have for us today? So today I'm looking at – this is weird because we just spent a good while talking about how great this team has been. Uh, oh. and I'm talking about I'm talking about Miles Straw, who oh. has been struggling since May 8th. Uh, he is slashing 145, 236, 167 for a 412 OPS and 24 weighted runs created plus. Uh, all of those stats, except for OBP, rank dead last among the qualifiers over that span. And also over the span, he has a 20.7% hard hit rate, which is the third lowest among the 113 hitters with at least 100 batted balls. Uh, and just just for the record, everything I say from here on out is on a list of 113 hitters with at least 100 batted balls. I just rather not keep saying it. But yeah. uh, 45.5% of his batted balls have been either below zero degrees or above 45 degrees, uh, which is not which is not very good. It's I think one of the lowest or it's one of the highest rates among that list. And when he does hit the ball between zero and 45 degrees. He is a 255 batting average and a 327 slugging, which might not seem that bad, but they both rank dead last on that list. The next lowest batting average is almost 100 points higher at 348, and the next lowest slugging percentage is at 439, which is more than 100, which is 122 points higher. So the next lowest batting average is 21 points higher than his slugging percentage. Uh, unbatted balls between zero and 45 degrees since may 8th yeah um yeah miles straw not hitting uh not hitting the ball in the right direction and not hitting it hard so uh getting a uh slightly alarming um my slightly alarming is someone who you know not a lot of experience in this league but got some notoriety last year because he had a phenomenal uh, rookie campaign he finished second in nl rookie of the year voting and if you ask us he should have finished first um i'm talking about trevor rogers a left-handed pitcher for the miami marlins uh overall he has a 583 era 4.90 fip and 503 expected era this year in 58 and two-thirds in- innings pitched um overall this year his era ranks seventh worst out of 111 pitchers with 50 plus innings pitched. Um, also last year, his strikeout minus walk rate was 20.1%. Uh, that's one of the things that made him really good last year was um, the, you know, the, his strikeout minus walk rate. He struck out a lot of guys, uh, didn't walk a lot of guys. This year, he's striking out substantially less guys and he's walking a good amount more. Uh, this year, his strikeout minus walk rate is 8.5%. So it went from over 20% to single digits. Um, his whiff rate has also gone from 30.7% to 26.8%. And also uh, a big difference between what he was doing uh, last year and what he was doing this year was uh, last year he had a lot more success on his forcing fastball than he has this year. Um, I actually forgot to prepare the forcing fastball numbers from last year, but last year um, hitters slugged. 344 off his slugging with a 362 expected slugging, which is very good for a forcing fastball. However, this year, uh, hitters have a 630 expected slugging on his forcing fastball. Uh, that is the fourth highest slug, uh, fourth highest expected slugging out of 24 
pitchers with 500 plus forcing fastballs, forcing fastballs this year. Also, in his last six starts, hitters are slugging 784 off his four seamers, and that is the highest slugging against a four seamer in that span out of 48 pitchers to throw 200 plus four seamers. So, basically, in layman's terms, his four seamer has been uh, the worst in baseball during his last six uh, starts. And, uh, you know, after finishing second in rookie of the year voting last year, a very disappointing sophomore campaign thus far. Um, I definitely think he can turn it around, but right now he is at a slightly alarming. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. So that does it for players to highlight for good and bad reasons. Now we'll get into a preview of the week ahead. Um, part of it has already started. We've had, we had a lot of uh, series start already, but there are uh, some good, you know, remainders of series to watch i mean uh yeah it's it we have a good week of baseball last night we had a lot of good pitching matchups as we talked about before the show started um and then series wise uh raised yankees in, is in progress although the rays have been struggling recently and they have been it's it's hard it, it, it's it'll be hard for them to um get back on track when they're facing you know the hottest team in baseball you know <laughs> It's funny to call them the hottest team in baseball because it's just been a, a two-month hot streak. Um, meanwhile, we also have Braves-Giants. Uh, that s- series started last night. It's going to be a four-game series. Um, it was a wa- it ended up being a walk-off last night for the Braves. Going to be very competitive, most likely. Um, and uh, Twins-Guardians, you have the streaking Guardians versus uh, the division-leading Twins. That's a great series to watch. I think what will end up being a shorter series is going to be Astros Mets. Um, I don't know if this is going to go. Yeah, this is going to be a two gamer, um, but two division leaders um, and uh, a rematch of the like 1986 NLCS, maybe. I don't yep. know. <laughs> used to be in the same league. Dude, Chris Russo is going to be freaking out over that series. <laughs> yeah. We need to bring Nolan Ryan back. Mm-hmm. Um, Nolan, Nolan Ryan versus Tom Seaver is the best. That, that was the best. No, actually, no. Seaver Seaver was wasn't really around in '86. He was no. he was in his he was in he was on the Red Sox that year. Um, yeah. Also, White Sox Blue Jays. Um, White Sox actually won last night. That is at guaranteed rate. And uh, cart. Brewers Cardinals, that's one of the most important series to watch uh, as, you know, they're fighting for an NL Central top spot right now. Um, I know it's early in the season, but that's probably going to continue throughout the season. So these games are very important for those two teams. So um, definitely got to watch out for that. So lots of good series to watch for sure. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of good matchups. A lot of them were last night, but today on Tuesday, we got Tony Gonsolin versus Tyler Male in Dodgers Reds. Both of them have been pitching extraordinarily well as of late. We have uh, Bo Brisky facing the Red Sox for the Tigers. He's been very under the radar lately. Nestor Cortez will be facing the Rays today uh, at Tropicana. Anthony Descalfani versus Spencer Strider will be facing each other in Giants Braves. Strider has been a pretty big breakout pick. Joe Ryan will be, is he making his return from the IL against the Guardians in this one? Um, I, I would imagine so. Has he pitched? 
recently. Let me check. Oh, yeah, he did. He pitched on June 14th uh, against the Mariners. Didn't do too well, but he'll be pitching tonight. We have uh, Trevor Williams versus Jose Arquiti in Mets Astros. Kyle Gibson versus Martin Perez in Phillies Rangers. The Kyle Gibson revenge game. Yes, it is. Uh, Jack Flaherty will be going for the Cardinals against the Brewers at uh, American Family Field. Uh, Zach Gallen and Sean Manaya will be facing each other in Diamondbacks Padres. That's a good one. And the matchup of the night comes from Blue Jays, White Sox, Kevin Gosman versus Dylan Cease. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's saying one. there. On Wednesday, you have Carlos Carrasco and Luis Garcia facing each other in Mets Astros. Uh, Ross Stribling versus Lucas Giolito in Blue Jays, White Sox. Zach Wheeler versus John Gray in Phillies Rangers. Madison Bumgarner will be facing the Padres. You have Pablo Lopez facing the Rockies at Miami. Uh, Tyler Wells will be facing the Nationals in Baltimore for the Battle of the Beltway. He's been pitching well lately. You have Keegan Thompson pitching well, pitching for the Cubs against the Pirates at PNC. Uh, he pitched well last time out against the Braves. Uh, Tarek Skubal versus Michael Waka in the finale of Red Sox-Tigers at Fenway, I believe. Jordan Montgomery versus Shane Boz at, uh, at Tampa Bay. You have Tyler Anderson versus Luis Castillo in the Dodgers Red Series in Cincy. That's match of the night. Uh, Tristan McKenzie versus Sonny Gray in Guardians Twins. Adam Wainwright versus Eric Lauer in Cardinals Brewers. George Kirby versus Paul Blackburn in Mariners A's. Shohei Otani will be going for the Angels against the Royals at Angel Stadium. And match of the night will come from Giants Braves. Carlos Rodon versus Charlie Morton. Yeah. That'll be a good one. So then on Thursday, Alex Wood versus Kyle Wright in the afternoon game of Giants Braves. Justin Steele versus Jose Quintana in Cubs Pirates. It's an underrated matchup. You will have, I'll be definitely paying attention to this one. Robbie Ray versus Frankie Montas in Ooh, uh, yeah. Mariners A's. Those are two pitchers on my F4 team. And yeah. matchup of the day comes from Dodgers Reds, Clayton Kershaw versus Hunter Green. Um, yeah, a couple. Yeah, I guess uh, new, new blood versus middle age to <laughs> 34 i i can't i can't call play no i know, know kershaw has been good for a very long time but he's not old he's 30 he's almost the same age as jacob de grom yeah it's that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny it's yeah it's funny yeah. sorry sorry <laughs> don't don't be funny yeah <laughs> you don't want me to laugh yeah <laughs> So that is it for this this edition of the show. We will be doing a uh, different version of the show later in the week, right? Yeah, Possibly. We're, um, yeah. If you enjoyed our trade deadline show <laughs> last year, this has nothing to do with the trade deadline, but no. we will be back in the same location in uh, in Cape Cod, Mashpee, Massachusetts. Um, probably joined by at least one guest, maybe yeah. maybe multiple. Um, Who knows? Who knows? But uh, but yeah, a fun, a fun, uh, a fun podcast expected. Um, but yeah, uh, so we hope you enjoyed this one. Um, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and want to watch the conversation as it happens, uh, go to our YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. 
and uh, subscribe to that YouTube channel. Also have just general good clips from uh, from some interviews we've done as well. So yeah, also check out. Uh, I mean, thank also thank you for thank you to Jamer Candelario once again for coming on this show. Yes, yes, for sure. For Quick sure. interview, but you know. Yeah, for sure. It was an interview. It was an interview. He talked. He talked to you, and yeah. uh, gave those answers. Um, and uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Current, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you on probably Friday. Friday yeah, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then.